There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back with you again for, for yet another week and another fantastic guest. Episode 429, believe it or not. And we've got wow. Aaron Schmuckler, who's joining us today. So good to see you, Aaron. Uh, and I, I can see you. You won't be able to see Aaron, but I, but I can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'd like to just before I introduce you to Aaron, I'd like to say a big thank you to my guest last week. We had uh, Judy Piatkus. Judy was the founder of Piatkus Books, which was eventually sold to Little Brown. She published people, if you're into self-development, you might know people like Seth Godin and T. Harv Eker and people like that. And also she had lots of, um, lots of kind of fictional authors. And over 20 years, eight years, she created an amazing business. Uh, she was able to sell that and she um she then um uh, set up conscious cafe uh, and um and and trained to do all sorts of different things but um i really enjoyed talking with judy it's the second time she'd been on the show the first time was 10 years ago believe it or not so um showing my age and and uh, and judy was as well last week uh, and that it'd been 10 years since we'd spoken and, and lots of insights there about how to uh, be a more a conscious entrepreneur uh, and, uh, you know, I loved some of the things that Judy had to say, some of the stories and, and what I thought was fascinating when it came to keeping people, you know, her number one takeout on keeping people was, you know, as long as they continue learning, people want to stay. Um, so um, hopefully today you're going to learn some uh, some new things. I've um, got some new ideas. We're going to talk about teams. We've got a double bill, actually. So we're talking about international teams next week. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, teamification and Aaron Schmuckler's kind of strategy with his company to uh, transform cultures and teams, which is also uh, my kind of passion as well. Um, now, you know, I don't know if you, if you think back, think back to maybe a time when you were part of an amazing team you know, or an amazing culture. Maybe it was one that you created. Maybe it was a company that you, you were part of. Uh, maybe it's even, if you, if you can't even think of that, maybe it's uh, your favorite soccer team or um, uh, your favorite sports team or, or whatever, or even, a, even a, a group that you had when you were, you were kids. But, you know, what did it feel like? And, uh, and what was it like? And, you know, how was it that that team just created, you know, an exceptional level of warmth uh, and also results? Why is it that great teams create great results? Now, my guest, Aaron Schmuckler, he loves creating and helping to build just amazing teams. Uh, and when I spoke to him, I, I loved his, um, I had a planning call. I loved his perspectives. And he talks about teams almost being like uh, the human brain. And I found that really, um, you know, fascinating and, and uh, something I'd not really thought about before. Uh, now, he builds structures, habits, and mindsets that help support an enduring collaborative culture and lead to profit, but also top talent. And I hope, you know, in the world that we're in today, you know, he's working with companies that are actually out there and making a real positive difference and helping us solve some of the world's problems. But, you know, this show is really keen to kind of uh, 
ensure we address. He's got some really interesting experience because he's um, he, he came from the world of outdoor leadership, but also theatre direction as well as businesses. So I just want to sort of capture and understand today some of those different perspectives as well. So um, from wherever, wherever you're listening in the world, um, we're now talking to Aaron Schmuckler from uh, Washington State. A big welcome, Aaron. Thank you for having me, Chris. Uh, I'm excited to be here, and congratulations on ten years. Ten years, yeah. I can't quite uh, can't quite believe it. Not many, not many um, people have been doing this for for ten years. I don't think. I think most of them are very sensible. Maybe give up a little bit earlier, but I, I love it. So uh, <laughs> there there are a few things that I've done for as long as ten years. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sometimes there's just a few things in life, probably, that you do, isn't there? Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, marriage and things like that. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> That's what it, top the yeah. top on my list of the things yeah. that I thought. Yeah, I've been doing that for ten, for more than ten years. Yeah, yeah. It's Being my a marriage. Yeah, I've been a father for eleven and fifteen. So uh, you know, those are. Hopefully that will be for a lot, lot longer too. You don't, yeah, that's one you don't get to quit. You don't get to choose, do you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit, Aaron, about where where you live, and you know, um, you know, what did what did how did the sort of pandemic impact you? I know you've got a, a lovely daughter, and you're, oh, you're wow. married as well. And how how did the uh, this period affect your it, life? It's it's still unraveling. You'll you'll <laughs> you'll ask me next week, and I'll have different things to say. I, I live on the Deschutes River, south of Olympia, Washington, uh, kind of out in the sticks. Uh, and, you know, I can, I can drive a couple miles up river and drop a canoe in the, in the river and paddle home. That's, that's where right. I live, and that's the kind of thing that I've been doing more of since COVID struck than I was doing before. Uh, how has it affected us? Uh, you know, we, we took a 90% revenue hit overnight, um, we, uh, I, I, you know, one of the things that I've learned is to be a little bit more accepting of the seasonality of my life. Mm -hmm. And there was a while when, you know, I had, I, I couldn't figure out what, what is the, what is the combination? What is the recipe for getting my business back on track? And I just stopped working on it. And I judged myself for it. <laughs> and I built a I built a playhouse out of pallets in the yard with my daughter. And you know, we just spent days working on this thing. And and now it's out there. I can see it out my window and she really enjoys it. And as a family, we've slept out there a few times. Oh, right. Uh you know, we've wired it with with uh, electricity so she can go out there and watch movies and uh, and have light in the nighttime and it, when I think back about kind of the ways I was kicking myself, even as I was having that experience of building that with my seven-year-old daughter, you know, those, those, those moments of kicking myself were moments that I wasn't present with the task. Yeah. There were moments that I wasn't present with my daughter. And in the scope of things, it was a couple of days, you know, it was three days, I think, uh, that I wasn't working hard on my business. And in the scope of things, it was nothing, you know, it was, it was, it was no time. And it allowed me to get a little bit of distance from the way I was approaching prospecting, the way I was approaching the way we're, we're marketing, the, the way I was approaching um, how we might serve companies in great need at this time. It was incredibly valuable, not only for me as a human being, 
for my relationship with my daughter. It was valuable for my business as well. So life comes with seasons. Sometimes those seasons are really disruptive to what we think we should be doing. And I, I, you know, I've, I've, I hope, I hope I've taken the lesson. And the next time there's such a great disruption to what I, what I expect, I hope I will be uh, less judgmental of it. Do you know, I really, I really love what you said there. And uh, it really, really resonates with me as well, because it was, it just felt like the rug had been pulled from under the world, didn't it? It just yeah. suddenly, it was such a paradigm shift. It was such a, an unexpected change. And, and we found ourselves with our families together um, with, 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 with kind of, you know, opportunity for holiday, really, if we wanted to choose so. But it didn't feel like that, did it? Because um, we were worried about other things. And you're right, our minds are in a different place. And yeah. uh, but actually looking back on it, I, I started to think too, I've got to remind myself there's a gift in this. You know, it, it was kind of like a blizzard. You know, I, I, re I remember before my daughter was born, one, one birthday, my wife's birthday, I woke up early, I was going to go out and decorate the house and do something special. You know, we were, we were newly married, I think, relatively, and... Um, and I went into the, you know, I snuck into the living room and I flipped on the light. And the light didn't come on. And I looked outside and our neighbor's lights all were off. And everything, I mean, it was still dark yeah. <laughs> here in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> it's dark a lot in the winter. Um, and, and I looked out outside and all the trees were bent over under an incredible layer of ice. And we had just overnight had this incredible ice storm and all the power was out. Mm. And I knew, I knew we weren't going to have power for days. And there was something about that. You know, I didn't go to work. My wife didn't. Nobody went to work. There was no, there was no way to get to work. <laughs> and it was, it was at a time, you know, before, before it was this easy to work from home. And it was just okay. Right? There was something about the, the completeness of that event that we were just able to have fun mm -hmm. you know it just turned into fun like let's you know how are we going to do this and how are we going to do that it was just a fun thing and there's something about the pandemic where you can go and get in your car the world doesn't look different and it's so you know the ice was going to melt you know it was going to be a matter of days and then it was going to going to be gone so there is there is a way that i did not say, okay, I should be getting to work. I should be working hard right now. I just gave myself grace easily. And I think it's been harder in this invisible plague to give ourselves and each other grace. Yes. Yes. We, we, never, we never knew when it would end, did we really? Uh, and I'm not sure we, we don't know what's coming next, do we? <laughs> right. And, you know, that's another, no. another lesson from this pandemic. You know, people have been saying, well, now, now that things are so unpredictable, th things, the future has always been uncertain and unpredictable. This is not a change. This is evidence. <laughs> in yeah. case you thought <laughs> that you had control, in case you thought you knew what tomorrow was going to look like, remember. <laughs> yes. No, you don't. Yes. We have no idea.
No, no. And sometimes we just have to kind of go with the flow, don't we? Rather than try and uh, interrupt the pattern, think of the things that we can't change. We, yeah, or or at least accept kind of, the flow. You yeah, know, the, the flow. Yeah. You you don't always have to follow the currents of the river. I mentioned throwing my canoe in the river. Yeah. Right? There are there are ways to use the current. You you do have to you do have to accept the current and uh and the flow. You can't you don't necessarily have to go with it. But if you try to ignore it, you end up in the drink. Yeah. Yeah. So to to change changing the subject um slightly, you you've got a really interesting background having been involved with theater and outdoor and as well as uh, well as businesses what what do you take from you know when it when it came to you know in, inspiration and learning and lessons from uh, from that from those experiences well, we've been doing this uh, you know the yes works my company we started this seven years ago my business partner and i so it was long before the pandemic one of the things that I love about theater is that it's dangerous. Mm. You don't know what's going to happen. Any, you know, a, a light could burn out. Some some bit of scenery can fail. Uh, unlike film, there are no, there's no, there's no take two. You're live in front of an audience, and as a director, I love to highlight that. You know, one of my favorite things is to have uh, a show in which I had a couple of girls playing jacks a foot from the front of the stage. Right now, I don't know if you know jacks, but very often the ball or the jacks go flying because it's, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to snatch these things up quickly, right? The, while, the, <laughs> while the ball bounces, you're trying to pick up jacks. Yeah. The ball could have gone flying into the audience at any time. And they would have had to deal with it. And so one of the things that we work with teams to do is to uh, to have what one of my mentors calls a light hold on your plans. You know, what, what do they say? Uh, the, I forget who it is that said uh, planning is everything, the plan is nothing, or something to that effect. Yeah. There's prep, there, there's something that happens in your brain when you make a plan and you, you become intimate with the factors. You become intimate with the goal. You get, you get your brain into a place where if you can then have a light hold, you're ready for jazz. You're ready to improvise. But it, you have to have that light hold. You have to do the planning so you're prepared. And then you have to take things as they come and mm. respond to them. And one of the things that gets us into trouble, <laughs> me too, is holding on so tightly to the plan, holding on so tightly to the expectations that we can't even acknowledge the reality that evolves differently from what we expected. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, It takes us a while sometimes to catch up to yeah. reality. Yeah, so, so that's, the, that's the ability then, you know, sort of improvisation that you may sometimes get in the theater, that ability to, uh, to act, act in the moment, being present and act in the moment. And uh, as you say, if it, you know, you're, I don't know about you, I, I, I've tried to use a Gantt chart for projects and it's, it's, it soon changes. <laughs> you go through multiple iterations because situations change. So you, you just reminded me, when I was in college studying theater, 
one of my peers was in a show with a faculty director. And uh, there, there's some moment of great impact between, uh, between you know, a romantic couple in this, uh, in this play where they're, they're, they're parting forever despite the fact that they still love each other. Mm. You know, and I don't know what the line was. Uh, but he says to her something, something to the effect of, well, uh, goodbye. You know, something, something. I, I, it doesn't matter what the line is. The trouble was that it was essentially wooden when he delivered it every time. And the director was saying things to him, encouraging him to kind of let go of his plan for how to say this line. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's time to go, right? It just felt wooden. And the director could not get him, could not dislodge him from this wooden plan, this, uh, you know the it was the same every time and so she she beckoned to the woman who was playing opposite him and whispered something in her ear and she said okay and went back on stage to rehearse this this uh bit of the scene again and just before he said that line she reached out grabbed his hand put it under her shirt right on her breast <laughs> A completely unscripted, very uh, for me uh, as a you know as a twenty year old or whatever it was, it would have been a tremendously. I mean, it still would be a tremendously impactful moment, and still his delivery was exactly the same. You know, maybe there was a beat before he said it. Still, his delivery was exactly the same, and it's it's fear that gets yeah. us so stuck. Yeah, that that even when something extraordinary happens, we can sometimes simply follow our plan. Mm. And I, I remember being a, a server in a restaurant and asking, you know, how is, how is everything? And the guy said, it's fine. And just as I had it five tables before, I said, oh, great. Because I was on autopilot. And we got to get off autopilot and really pay attention and be with each other and be with the moment. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I'm going to get to commercial break now. But what that sort of made me sort of think about is, um, I remember years ago, someone once saying to me that, you know, the, that it's not the plan that's important. It's, the, it's, your, it's your conscious awareness uh, when you're planning that's more important. Mm -hmm. And I suppose that what um, you're demonstrating there is, is that, um, that conscious awareness to realize that um, sometimes you just need to let go. Uh, and, uh, and and as you say, not not stick to the plan um, and be, be flexible and kind of fluid. So we're going to go to commercial break now, and after the commercial break, we'll find out um, we'll find out what teamification is, and uh, we'll start to talk about teams and about culture, and and hopefully we'll um, we'll weld in some interesting stories as well, uh, maybe some more theatrical ones. Who knows? We'll be back again <laughs> with you again in just a couple of minutes. Do John is after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching 
facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Aaron Schmuckler, and uh, we're talking, we're going to be talking about teamification, but we've been talking about all sorts uh, before the break. And one thing I noticed about you, Aaron, because I can, I can see you, is that you're standing up. And uh, is this something that you, you, uh, you, you know, you've, you've started to do recently, or is it, where, where's that come from? Well, my, my desk is a sit-stand desk, so yeah. it can go up and down. And when I'm, when I'm training, and when I'm doing a show, whether it's a podcast or, or a live stream or a, or a radio show like this, I just find it's easier for me to remain animated, even vocally, when I'm on my feet. Yeah. So that's, that's my rule for myself, is if, if I'm doing a show, I'm on my feet. Good, 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 good idea. There's quite a few people doing it now. It's good for you as well. You burn calories, don't you, at the same time? I suppose. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so tell us a little bit. I mean, what um, what are the the main problems that you're encountering at the moment when it comes to sort of got a company cultures and teams? I guess mm. we better we better talk a bit about business now, really. <laughs> well, you know, there, there's kind of the general problem of keeping teams connected, All right? Not uh, email and Slack and all those all these tech things exist and it's not hard to get messages across that's easy but the sense of belonging the sense of camaraderie uh the sense of having each other's back in a profound way that's that's more challenging Mm. um and i've been saying since i think about the third week of isolation in covid that Good enough management isn't good enough anymore. And what I mean by that is there, when you could just kind of look and see, is Charlie at his desk? That, that might have been good enough when we were in person. Mm. That because people, people on the whole have at least a decent work ethic 
You know, if Charlie's at his desk, he's basically getting stuff done. And I remember pretty early on in this pandemic, uh, clients would say, well, how do I know if I'm getting my 40 hours worth out of my employees? And I said, wrong question. The question is, and it, this has always been the question, what do I need from Charlie in a given week? What do I need from Betty in a given week? And am I getting it? And if you've decided to pay Charlie 80 grand a year to deliver X every week, mm. and Charlie spends 20 minutes and delivers X every week, then you're getting the value you decided you needed to pay 80 grand for. Who cares how long yeah. he's at his desk? Yeah. yeah. And that's harder. It's harder to determine what do I need from Charlie every week because it's not just his deliverables. It's also the way he contributes to the team. It's also the way that he contributes to people's sense of belonging. So what was good enough in, a, in an in-person environment is no longer good enough. And the number of clients that I ask, you know, you've got systems for everything. You've got a system for how you build your widgets. It's codified, it, you know, it's written down. You've got a system for how you onboard clients. Everything has a system. This is, there's, this is how we do this here. That's the secret sauce. It's what makes your business your business. Mm -hmm. Do you have a system for how to manage people? Is there a, this is how we manage people here? Not one of them. And, I, and, and this is not hyperbole. Not one of my clients that was coming in, not one of my prospects was able to say, yes, this is the system by which we manage people. Managing people is something that, you know, for the longest time, we've heard people talk about my management style, your, what's your leadership style. I remember being asked in an interview, what is your leadership style? And my leadership style is really fairly irrelevant because there's science around what is effective. And of course, there is a stylistic element to it. But if you go into an art class where everybody's painting a still life, right? There's an orange to paint. There's a vase to paint. There's a rose. There's a, there's a lily. And it, to do the assignment, you paint the orange, you paint the rose, you paint the lily, you paint the vase. And of course, each person's canvas looks a little bit different. That's mm. the style. You put mm. the style on top of the science in leadership. And so there's a, there's a system by which leadership and management happen effectively, and there are lots of ways to do it ineffectively. Mm. There's a finite number of ways to do it effectively. And the same thing is true for culture. That culture, I think of, you know, some people have define it as this is how we do things around here. That's mm. pretty broad. I think of culture as the set of contagious uh, behaviors and attitudes in a community and your mm. company is a community. Yeah. And if you don't have a system for directing that contagion, then every single behavior in your in your organization will be contagious and it'll shape it'll shape the culture. Yeah. And it's not just the behaviors that lead to these contagions either. It's the other elements of the system.
you know, a CEO talked to me and, and said, I've got absolutely fabulous people on my front line. They care about the customers. They care about each other. They have a, a strong work, work ethic. I have great people managing them. They care about their people. They want them the best for their people. And they work hard to, uh, to build strong relationships with them. And still there's an us versus them the cont contention between the folks on the front lines and their managers, what's going on. And, and two minutes later, I learned that each of these managers is, is managing 12 to 15 people. And the science of management says that's just too many. Yeah. And if, it, if you're working to drive high performance, which is part of a manager's job, and you're doing that with 15 people at once, then you're not gonna have the time or the bandwidth to build the kind of resilient relationship with those people that can tolerate that kind of pressure, hmm. that can thrive even under that kind of pressure. I think about the people who have driven performance with me and they've had the time and the space to really connect with me and then push me hard. Yeah. So even just that systematic structure of having too many people under one manager uh, was really caustic to the culture that this CEO was trying to build mm. with great people mm. who all of them had great behaviors. Mm. So you've got to, you've, you know, we, th we, we call what we do at the S-Works company culture engineering. And we, we struck upon the word engineering because there are all of these interdependent forces, some of which are really hard to see. Mm. And here, here, uh, you know, about 40 minutes from my house, there's a bridge called the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. And in the 40s, the bridge that was there was called Galloping Gertie mm. because it would kind of undulate mm. gently in the wind. And... What happened was that the wind came through the narrows just the wrong way one day, and that undulation turned into a resonant frequency uh -huh. with the bridge. Yes. And the bridge shook itself to pieces. Yeah. It was engineered without considering all of the interdependent forces. Mm. And so we think of culture in kind of that way. The, the forces of how many people is it, uh, are you managing? The forces of um, do your core values and the policies by which you govern your people, uh, are they congruent or, or incongruent? I see all the time companies with trust as a core value. And then just under the surface of the employee handbook is we don't trust you as far as we can throw you. Yeah, yeah. That, that is a gap in integrity. And I don't mean integrity to do the right thing. I mean integrity, everything is coherent. Everything ha is of uh, the same cloth. Everything is consistent and congruent. And so company culture engineers like us, we look to help ensure that there is congruence through the entire structure of the company so that the company can hold together, mm. even if the wind picks up through the narrows. Mm. What's your, what's your view on, this is a specific question, but in, in terms of that kind of system, I mean, things like, um, things like bonuses, 
So I think they're an example of something that really can cause contention. You know, some when I work, I worked for Mars. I worked in sales initially, and we was a bit of a company bonus, but we didn't pay. We weren't paid commission. We were all, um, we, you know, we're expected to deliver. The system held us up to delivering to a high level, and there was, you know, there was kind of awards with you know trips away and things like that for high performance. But other companies, you know, it can give lower basics, higher bonuses, and uh, and for some people that seems to work. For others, it doesn't. Um, but it causes contention. And uh, if the bonus is not as what I expected this month, people get upset. And, you know, what have you got? Have you experienced that in companies you've worked with? And what's your solution to it? I think this is a hard question. And I'm asking asking this for partly a reason, because I'm working on something which... uh, And I don't have a, here's the answer. Uh, We can't ignore Dan Pink's famous, now famous uh, TED Talk in which he shows the the science of reward. He talks about something called the, I think it's the the candle challenge, right? If you give two groups, a candle, a cardboard box full of thumbtacks, and and a a book of matches, and you say, all right, your challenge is as quickly as possible to secure the candle to the wall so that when lit, no wax will drop down onto the table. And if you just give that problem to one group and you give that problem to another group and say, by the way, there's a hundred bucks in this for you. If you do this faster than the other group, you get a hundred bucks. Which group do you think would accomplish this faster? Hmm. Uh, well, that's quite an interesting one. I think, uh, cause I, cause I, I think maybe Maybe the uh, the hundred books would be would, where they would be more motivated. Depends on the kind of people, though. You know, when I yeah. I, I went for Mars, people those people, you know, they they were incredible at how they would focus on a task. So yeah. the hundred bucks people will be very focused. Mm. They will work very hard and they will work very fast. Mm. And they will solve the problem slower <laughs> than the other. <laughs> yeah. It will stop and think. You know? Because there, there's a fixedness to our, our, the executive brain is fixed, right? It, it, that's the part of the mind that tries to keep you from, from dying by taking undue risk. So it gets very fixed and it, it operates very highly when you've put this very distinct reward on it. The other group, on the other hand, they may, they may kind of chill out a little bit and mm. look and then they'll and then they will discover the solution much faster which is to dump the the tax out of the cardboard box mm. and instead of trying to melt the candle to the wall or tack the candle to the wall what they do is they tack the box to the wall and then they set the candle in the box and the box catches the wax but the other folks it takes them longer to think of the box as anything other than a container for the tax. So this is a long and roundabout way of, of answering your question about bonuses and even commissions. The, what Dan Pink shares in this TED Talk and in some of his other work is that the more kind of rote assembly line kind of Uh, of work you're doing, the more uh, a tangible reward will drive performance because 
there's nothing the, your fixedness your rid the rigidness of thinking doesn't mm. interfere mm. and the more creative the work the more a reward will interfere with your creativity or with yeah. the group's creativity yeah so the way sales is going for example now is it is a more and more creative enterprise and yet sales is the reward-based part of our companies all of us right we're all we're all giving people commissions now if you have a captive group of people right let's just say you have some sales slaves they will do better if you don't if you just give them a salary than they would do if you were to give them commissions mm. the challenge is that if you tell a star salesperson hey we'd like to give you a, a job by the way there are no commissions it's salary based they won't come and work for you so that's the challenge is that there is kind of a, a difficult balance to strike between getting people in the door and keeping them mm. on the one hand and getting the best performance out of them on the other hand. And I don't know if I've done a good job answering <laughs> your question or if I've just made it more, uh, more difficult. Um, I, I think there is, there is good evidence to show that when you tie bonuses to overall performance for the team mm. or for the company, that that can be motivating and get people connected together. Yeah, we're we're going someplace together. Yeah. Um, the, then if you're giving specific bonus bonuses to specific teams for very specific outcomes. Mm. Um, <laughs> so maybe that that's <laughs> the that's the kind of short and pithy uh, version of uh, of an answer to your question. Excellent. Well, well, we'll get we'll get to commercial break again in uh, in just a moment. After the break, I want to find out um, you know what teamification is, and uh, uh, and also Louis, just to share at the beginning, probably you're you're thinking about you know you talk about teams to me and how they relate to the human brain, uh, and I found <laughs> that very very interesting. So uh, let's let's come back after the break. Bring your notepad with you, uh, and uh, I'll we'll see you again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Aaron Schmuckler. I just threw him a really challenging question about bonuses. So we'll, we'll move on from that. He did uh, very well, I thought. Um, <laughs> Thank so, you. <laughs> so Aaron, we're going to talk about teamification. And what, what is teamification? And just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, link in there if you can, this, this concept of teams. And you, you described it to me being like the, the human brain. What? Uh, you know, team of, we've, we've been talking about a system for culture. And the need, if you want to have a culture where people thrive, a a culture that magnetizes people and that magnetizes profits, you've got to do it deliberately. You've got to do it systematically. So teamification is a way of thinking about your whole company as an ecosystem, right? And if you think about any ecosystem, this affects that. In, way, in, in subtle ways. So teamification is about creating that ecosystem in a way that's that's healthy and balanced. <laughs> and I, 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 I've been thinking about teams like the human brain. I think since I saw a graphic on, on LinkedIn where, you know, you think about the size of your team and it, it shows two dots and there's one line between those two dots, each dot is a, is a team member, right? So when you've got two people, you've got one relationship, that one line. When you've got three people, you've got three lines, three relationships. When you've got four people, you've got six relationships. And now my, my non-mathematical mind is going to go blank as soon as I get to five <laughs> people, right? But picture a, pentagr- a, 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 a pentagon. And try to draw dot uh, lines between each of the dots. Hmm. It's a lot more than six lines all of a sudden. Hmm. And when you get to six people, it's still more lines. It's, this is it, it's this is a, uh, a a curve that is incredibly steep. Every time you add one person, you add lots of relationships. Hmm. So the human mind, right, full of all these nerves. The nerves are connected to other nerves, and the the um, the the concept that is central to all of neuroscience is the neurons that fire together, wire together. Mm. In other words, if you think about the f- famous Pavlov's dogs, yeah, right, he rang a bell, fed the dog, yeah. So the neurons uh, that hear a bell and identify a bell fired together again and again and again with the neurons associated with eating food. Mm. You do that enough times and all you have to do is ring the bell and the neurons associated with eating food fire and the dogs salivate. So the same thing is true in your company. The neurons that fire together, the relationships that the, the people that fire together get wired together. Yeah. And where we start to have neurological problems in our own brains is where those, th- those connections are interrupted, where they're, where they're wired together in ways that are unhealthy, mm. 
You know, I think about Oliver Sacks's work. He's got a, a, a book called The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. Right? <laughs> there are all kinds of ways. Uh, this is a true. It was a true story of one of his patients who, uh, after his session, reached out and grabbed his wife by the head and, and tried, <laughs> tried to put her on his own head. Right. The, there are, our brains can do all kinds of crazy yeah. things. Yeah. So this is again to say that there is a lot of subtlety in the way that our teams respond to one another. There is a lot uh, that goes unsaid. There's a lot that people notice mm. and keep to themselves. Right? How many leaders have you talked to, Chris, that, that say, why didn't I hear about this sooner? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the neurons that fire together wire together. And there's a lot of con what I call conventional unwisdom out there, right? One piece of conventional unwisdom that leads to leaders saying, why didn't I know about this sooner, for example, is if you don't have a solution, don't bring me the problem, right? I mean, that's, that's known to be a, a great thing to say as a leader, except it's terrible. Mm. If the problem was easy to solve, it probably wouldn't exist right now. Yeah. You got bit in the ass by this problem. You got surprised by this problem because whether directly or indirectly, you've been telling people that it's not safe or at least not advisable to bring you unsolved problems. So, you know, there everybody should should everybody in the company should know about problems that are going unsolved. Yeah. Each of us, in one of the things, one of the one of the principles that uh, we tr we teach our uh, and train our clients in, is this principle from improvisation called "be obvious." Right? We deride obviousness in our culture. Uh, thanks a lot, Captain Obvious. Right? We're told not to say what everybody else obviously knows. Yeah. Except that what's obvious to you isn't necessarily what's obvious to me, Chris. There's a story that for the longest time I thought was apocryphal, uh, but it turns out to be true, of a, a truck, a lorry, driving under a bridge and getting wedged under the bridge. And the truck driver and the cops and the tow truck driver are all standing around trying to figure out how do we extricate this truck without doing further damage to the bridge? How do we pull it out? And it's a 10-year-old kid who said what was obvious to him. Why don't you take the air out of the tires? Yeah. <laughs> but if there's a truck jammed under a bridge in your company that only you can see well how do you if nobody's talking about it how do you know whether it's the elephant in the room that everybody can see which by the way should be named anyway <laughs> <laughs> or whether it's something that you, you know you have a superpower to see this yeah yeah yeah, no, I like it. I like it. I like it. I think, uh, yeah, there's an awful, awful lot goes on set, doesn't it? And uh, and I like the idea of, of um, you know, being a if you fire together, wire together, and um, and, and you know, being open about the problem, being open about problems, and uh, being open to working together to solve them. I see a lot of people, you know, and divisions and departments in silos, not wanting to share their problems with other parts of the organization where if they came together and completely transparent, you know, they could have it fixed much easier. Um, yeah. 
you know these these uh, uh, problems which um which, which are holding the company back holding individuals back but uh um, without that fear of if that fear is taken away um, you know, the, one of the things that i learned about neuroscience not long ago is that if you round a corner into a room where there's a scene of you know great gore and blood your fight or flight system will kick into gear before your visual cortex has even processed what's happened mm. in other words before you see the image you already you, on a on an unconscious level you already know that there's danger yeah and every part of your brain reorients to 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 help you address this urgency mm. and in the 80s gm lost lost tremendous market share general motors lost tremendous market share because they had one rule the plant never stops right the 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 cars just keep going and they churned out lots of flawed cars and they piled up many cars high literally in the lot these are not cars we can sell by contrast toyota has something called the andon cord and this is part of the toyota production model and the andon cord is a cord that runs all the way through the plant all around and if you draw a paycheck from toyota and you see a problem going down the line there's a flaw or there's danger you have permission to pull that cord you have an obligation to pull that cord and stop the production line hmm. that's a nervous system that's working right and that person may be corrected right hey thank you and by the way the problem that you saw doesn't rise to the level of stopping the uh stopping the production line and then that neuron in your in your company now has better judgment about when to pull and when to not pull that and on cord in the meantime gm almost went under yeah yeah culture yeah culture it's, it makes a big 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 difference isn't that yeah yeah it's enormous so what we've got about two, uh, two minutes left um you know what um what are they what does the next year or two look like for you what's um what's coming next for you well you know when we started this company we were very specifically training teams to communicate and collaborate effectively and that's still a part of our work and it's the part that i that i have the most fun doing and we've we've uh since covid struck we've we've broadened what we do to uh to this company culture engineering and and looking at things systemically and um that's ha given us the ability to be far more effective for our clients than uh, and for every client we used to be very effective for some clients and less effective for others and it's by noticing these more environmental factors and by helping with these more environmental factors that we've become more effective and what's coming for the, for us in the in the next couple of years and what i've loved about about broadening things in this way is that i don't have expertise in all of those arenas and mm. so i've had to reach out into my network and bring people onto our team 
who have that expertise. And I, I love these collaborations. I love working arm in arm with, with, uh, with colleagues and arm in arm with our clients in the ways that this broadened, uh, this broadened view of our work has, has given us. Um, and it's still, you know, we're just a couple of years into this way of looking at our work. Right. And so it, it, it's just, uh, it's brimming with, uh, with newness and it's still developing. And, uh, and that's what's coming in the next two, next couple oh. of years is further developing those relationships, further developing this, this, uh, ability to see. And, um, Fantastic. it's going to be fun. Fantastic. We've got to, we've got to go, but do you have a final message that you'd like to leave us with? Uh, it's never about the thing. It's always about the relationship. Excellent. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. It's been absolutely wonderful talking to you today. I've completely loved it. Aaron, I've uh, made a few notes, which is always a good sign that I've really, um, I've been learning some new things, got the neural connections in my brain going. Um, if you've got any questions or comments, do send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. If you want to um, um, get in touch with um, with Aaron, um, theyesworks.com. Is that where you want to get people to go? The yes yeah, that's perfect. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Aaron Schmuckler there. And Chris, this has been a real pleasure. You're very welcome. I've, I've loved it. It's been been fantastic. And on next week's show, we have um, we have uh, Rukash Brisky um, from um, I believe Romania. I think he's um, he's based in. He's um, he's he's um, has expertise in international teams. So I thought this would fit very nicely after the interview with Aaron. He owns businesses in four different countries. Um, so we're gonna have a really good um, conversation with uh, with him next week to uh, to kind of build on um, some of the thinking with uh, that we've done today with Aaron. But think about how do we manage people when they're working in teams across different um, countries and uh, mm. and cultures so back again with you next week huge thank you to aaron schmuckler and um, and do take care everybody and uh, do focus on uh, making this a great week until next week um and do um th think outside the box not just following that plan um as we were talking about with um with aaron earlier take care We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.